Hey there, welcome to Livewire. I'm your host, Luke Burbank. This week, we are going to be talking to comedian and former Saturday Night Live writer Sam Jay about her HBO show, Pause with Sam Jay. It's in its second season. Here's how it works. Sam basically throws a party at her apartment and then invites her friends over and they discuss all kinds of issues. Then it, they film it and it's like you're at the party with them and it's really smart and uh, a lot of fun. So we're going to hear about that. Speaking of comedians, we're also going to hear some stand-up from the very funny Sean Patton about the perils of air travel and his personal campaign to uh, normalize, how do we say this on public radio, um, flatulence in public. Then we're going to hear some music from Kurt Vile. Rolling Stone calls his new album Majestically Mellow Zone Out Session, which I think we're all probably ready for this week. So stick around. It gets majestically mellow right after this. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Livewire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you can call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Elena. Hey, Luke. How's it going? It's going great. I'm so excited for this week's show. We've got Kurt Vile, one of my favorite musicians, <laughs> Sam Jay. It's going to be awesome. First, though, we've got to start with a little station location identification examination. This is uh, where I tell you about a place in America where LiveWire is on the radio. You try to guess where I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. This place is at the western end of the St. Lawrence Seaway, and it is home to North America's largest and farthest inland Freshwater port. Duluth, Minnesota. Absolutely right. You just, I mean, you didn't skip a beat with that one. I didn't have to even tell you that it's also the birthplace of one Robert Zimmerman, a.k.a. Bob Dylan. Not Hibbing. Duluth, not That's, Hibbing. Ooh. I've always thought it was Hibbing, but Aha. I guess Duluth is now taking, uh, taking the credit for being the birthplace of Bob Dylan. Yeah. Well, maybe he moved. <laughs> he must have. He was like a Rolling Stone. That's true. Oh, that was that's a brutal start to the show. I'm sorry for that. Uh, we should probably get to it. Take it away, Elena. From PRX, it's Livewire. This week, comedian and Emmy-nominated writer Sam Jay. A lot of people we talk to are not TV savvy and. That's on purpose, because we want real people with real opinions and not people who have practiced opinions. And stand-up, Sean Patton. I get to every single airport early for one reason, unlimited fast food. With music from Kurt Vile. My, my note to myself is literally just two words. It's, gotta yodel, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> 
I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello, and now the host of Livewire, Luke Burbank. Hey, thank you so much, Elena Passarello. Thanks to everyone tuning in from all over the country, including in Duluth, Minnesota. We have a great show in store for you this week. We asked the LiveWire listeners a question. We asked, what is your go-to icebreaker? That's because Sam Jay's HBO show is, is really just kind of a rolling party. Uh, we're going to get those listener responses coming up. First, though, we've got to do the best news we heard all week. This is our little reminder at the top of the show. There is some good news happening out there in the world. Elena, what is the best news that you saw this week? Reunion story. I love these. <laughs> it starts 20 years ago in Utah when Holly Shearer was a teenager who became pregnant and arranged for an adoption. Okay. She met and selected the parents who adopted the baby Benjamin shortly after his birth and then received a few letters for several years, letters and pictures from the adoption agency. But then, you know, time passed and the adoption agency closed and Holly always wondered, you know, like, mm. how's Ben doing? Sort of lost touch, looked for him, found him on social media when he was about mm. 18, but didn't want to intervene in his life and his childhood. But she had no idea that he had been looking for her this whole time too. The way he was brought up, uh, her name was always mentioned with gratitude. He knew he, wow. his mom was named Holly and they were his parents were so grateful to her and but he didn't even know how to start looking for her. He, he put himself on an adoption registry. He got a DNA test, but he wasn't really sure how to make this happen once he became an adult. Well, fast forward to his 21st birthday. She sends him a text. He's at work. He like drops the phone. He can't take it. He immediately texts her back and he's just like, when can we meet? When can we meet? And she, she couldn't believe that it was just immediately positive response so his family and her family, because she has went on to have two more kids, they all met at Red Robin, huge teary reunion, talked for three hours, rebuilt a bunch of relationships. Ben says he feels whole, um, you know, but the best part about this is Holly works as a medical assistant at a medical center in Salt Lake City where Ben has been volunteering in the what? NICU unit for years. So they were parking in the same garage. They were passing each other in the hallway at the same time and they never knew. And now, you know, this is one of those great stories of both people uh, consensually wanted to know each other and they did. He can just drop in and grab a cup of coffee with her every time he comes in for his volunteer job. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's incredible. So you just like walk down to wherever it is Holly's working and say, hey mom, yeah, should we go down and get some of that legendary hospital coffee? Out of the machine. That's the only downside to this story is that a lot of their, their most of their reunions don't get to take place at Red Robin. It's probably right. vending machine, hot cocoa kind of situations. That is incredible. I have a sort of a story of a family that I saw that is the best news for me this week. It's about a family of kittens, though. Uh -oh. So this guy named Robert Brantley was driving somewhere on the back roads of Northeast Louisiana. Now, let me just tell you about Robert Brantley. He is a professional shooter, and I've been to his Instagram page, mm. and everything on his Instagram page is about target shooting and you know gear that you use, and like this is a very, let's just say, sort of macho guy in the world, Robert Brantley, and he's driving <laughs> to, his, uh, to the target range being... Robert Brantley, and then he sees a kitten on the side of the road, and he pulls over his Honda, <laughs> and he goes to get the kitten, 
And then 12 more kittens emerge from the brush. Oh, my like, God. It was almost like they had a plan. They were like, if there's 12 of us, nobody's picking us up. You uh, muffins, you go stand by the road. Muffins. Get their attention. <laughs> I don't know if any of the cats are named muffins, but you get the idea. So he's trying to corral these 13 kittens into his Honda, and he starts recording it on his phone because every time he has the trunk open, every time he puts one cat in, another one jumps out. <laughs> They're totally not cooperating with Operation Kitten Rescue. This is what it sounds like. The tactical Honda was not prepared for this. Ah. <laughs> so hard it sucks. <laughs> At the end, it's kind of hard to make out, but he says, first he says, the tactical Honda is not equipped for this. And then he says, soft-hearted, this sucks. Like he's mad at himself <laughs> that he's saving all these kittens. But he did. He brought them all home. As you might imagine, the internet has gone Insane. cuckoo for this. <laughs> and uh, all of the kittens, as of press time, have been adopted out, except a couple that were dealing with some medical stuff. But a vet came and looked at them, and they're on the mend. And so all of these kittens are uh, going to uh, find a, a good home where they can uh, live out their years. Was it just like a mama cat had a bunch of babies in the brush and uh, like a stray cat's kittens? It's unclear huh. if, if maybe somebody had a bunch of kittens and didn't know what to do with them. Oh. Uh, I would say don't drop them off in the wilderness. No. If you don't know what to do, there's lots of places that will take them. Yeah. Like me, now that I'm officially a That's cat right. person, Elena. <laughs> <laughs> I bought my cat a treadmill. Nice. My cat has more sophisticated exercise equipment than I do. <laughs> you just have that jump rope. <laughs> I'm going to start calling her million-dollar bubbles because I will have spent roughly a million dollars on her by the <laughs> time that it's all said and done. But anyway, uh, kittens being saved in Louisiana uh, by an unlikely person. That's the best news that I saw this week. All right, let's get rolling with our first guest. Uh, she was named one of Variety's 10 comics to watch back in 2018. And it turns out a lot of people did that. They watched her, and they've been watching her. She released a stand-up special on Netflix called Three in the Morning, and she was hired as a writer on Saturday Night Live where she wrote the uh, Black Jeopardy sketches, which are kind of legendary. Uh, and now she's got a weekly late-night HBO series. It's called Pause with Sam J, and it's this really inventive take on the whole idea of what a late-night talk show can be. We're very excited to get to catch up with her. Sam J, welcome to Livewire. Hi, thank you guys for having me. It is so hard to make a show that doesn't look like other shows because, like, almost everything has been done. But you somehow accomplished that with pause. I mean, it's really a vibe. I'm just curious what the conversations were like uh, when you were developing the show, like what you wanted it to kind of look and feel like. We had a lot of conversations about what the show was going to be. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was some trial and error of like fleshing out some ideas. And then first we definitely started with a feeling and we just wanted it mm. to feel like how real people have conversations and, you know, not knocking any late night. It's a format and it's a format that's worked for years, but it just doesn't ever feel to me like what people talk like for real. It just feels <laughs> like this very canned conversation mm. and I was like oh, I wonder how we can just make something where it feels like how it is when you're like hanging out and talking and also how do we get some like real perspective and honesty on some of these like harder to discuss topics mm. and then I was uh just watching stuff and I was like oh you know maybe it should kind of feel like playboy after dark I don't know what why I was <laughs> watching that yeah yeah so that was like an influence for sure and then 
it was like, well, what is my version of, of that? And I was chilling with one of the writers and we were having some drinks and talking after one of the um, writers' rooms at my house. And most of the people who write for the show are like my friends and friends I've had in comedy for a long time. So we're just very comfortable with one another. And we were talking and arguing and yelling at each other about something, which is <laughs> normal. And I was like, it should feel like this. Whatever this is, mm. this is how it needs to feel. Because this feels like the most me. Anyone who knows me knows I will corner you in a party and scream <laughs> at you to death about something. And so I called Prentice drunk and I was like, I know what it is. It's like a party. And then it's like this. And then it's like that. And I was like, do you get it? And he was like, no. And I was like, fine. <laughs> I will call you tomorrow when I'm sober <laughs> and explain this clearer. And I called him the next day and I was like, no, like it's a party. Then you jump from the party to the interviews because we already had the interview structure kind of there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this right. is how you do it. Cause we already decided like, the interviews are going to be in the world. And like, we had already had that structure, but I was like, this is how we bridge these two things. And he was like, I'm down to see what that looks like. And I was like, cool. And then we just tried it. We're talking to Sam J about her show pause with Sam J on HBO. Season two is out now. I'm curious about the, the um, production of the because the thread as you mentioned of the show is kind of a party at your house where you're talking to your friends and and then you go out in the world and and do some reporting and interviews and sketches but when you're talking to your friends in the the party part of it do you forget the cameras are there does it feel really organic or do you have producers coming around with like you know cue cards going you guys got to get to this topic no 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 because i i I wanted everyone to feel comfortable and like not like they're on TV, because I feel like that's how we're going to kind of get the best and most honest stuff out of people. So once we roll, we're rolling. I don't want anyone managing or touching or positioning mm. my friends. Mm. There's no boom mics in the room. A lot of people we talk to are not TV savvy. And that's on purpose, because we want real people with real opinions and not yeah. people who mm. have practiced opinions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of cameramen in the room. It's just two dudes on, on, on roaming cams, body Body joints just, you know, moving around like a real party. It's okay for it to feel like you're really in a space and in a party space and definitely no cue cards. The people who come don't even know the topic. They truly just show up and I know the topic. Okay. I'm aware of what we need to talk about that day, but they just come to truly hang out and then I'll kind of just spark an idea. And a lot of times it just takes over the party, you know, and then this Hmm. season, my fiance was very helpful in the uh, booking of people. And so she knew everything we wanted to talk about. And like, she was just good at, she knows my friends and we have a lot of mutual friends. And she was like, this is like a good group of people that they'll take to this conversation. So there's a, mm. a little bit of manipulation yeah. in that way. Like the jail episode, I just invited mm. a bunch of people I know who've been to jail. Mm-hmm. We find our way into it different ways, but I'm, I'm always super aware, but I don't even tell them. Right. They just show up. This is Livewire from PRX. We are talking to comedian Sam Jay about her HBO show, Pause with Sam Jay. Don't go anywhere because we'll be back with much more with Sam in just a moment. Hey, Elena. Hey, Luke. I didn't see you there. It's that time of year again. My seasonal allergies are back. Oh, congratulations. But also, it's our spring member drive, which is happening right now through May 17th. Oh, I like that much more than seasonal allergies. Yeah, if you are not yet a member of Livewire's League of Extraordinary Listeners, well, now is the time to do it. Why? Well, because this League of Extraordinary Listeners uh, is what keeps the lights on over at Livewire, Inc., 
which is definitely not the association that we are part of. I'm probably a 501c3. They don't let me near any of the paperwork mm -hmm. or bookkeeping, and it's really better that way. Yes. Point is, we we are only able to keep doing this show because of support from our members, and we would love it if you could join us in that right now. Plus, there are all kinds of sweet perks, including uh, special discounted tickets to live recordings, on-air shout-outs, exclusive content. Uh, and, Elena, uh, one more thing, that, of course, we would not be a self-respecting public radio show if we didn't offer this. If we didn't offer the most iconic public radio swag of all time, a tote bag. True iconic status. Yeah, but it's not just any tote bag. This is like a really good tote bag. It's got a second zipper, an internal zipper. Yes, whatever you want to put in the tote bag, that's your business, okay? What we're mm -hmm. here to talk about is you keeping LiveWire going. So head on over to LiveWireRadio.org to see the various member levels. It does not matter how much you are giving every month to LiveWire. It just matters that you do it because it goes a long way for us. So thank you. Vacations, weddings, birthdays, and reunions. Oh, my, there's so much going on. Get the most out of your spring plans by stocking up on pre-alcohol now. Zbiotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic Drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com slash livewire to get 15% off your first order when you use livewire at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash livewire and use the code livewire at checkout for 15% off. Thank you to Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Welcome back to Livewire. I'm your host, Luke Burbank, here with Elena Passarello. We're talking to comedian Sam Jay about her HBO show, Pause with Sam Jay. One of the really memorable scenes from this season, uh, you're, you're riding a horse through a predominantly black neighborhood and you're, you're going, the crackers are coming. I'm wondering, um, that's very different performatively from doing stand-up in a club or for writing for SNL. Like, are you fully comfortable now being out in public doing stuff like that, guerrilla-style kind of filming? No. <laughs> You're shaking your head no. no. <laughs> uh, this season is actually the first time we're doing stuff like this because uh, last season, due to COVID, we couldn't. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the sketch stuff... Last season was super sketchy in a way that we never intended this show to be. We had always intended for it to feel very in the world. And because mm -hmm. of COVID, we couldn't, like, do it that way, mm -hmm. which is sometimes, like, a good thing because some of the ideas were, like, super mean. And it was like, <laughs> oh, this was probably, like, we shouldn't have done that. Like, I don't know if you saw last season, but we did a Go Judge Me uh -huh. sketch where, like, uh -huh. I was judging people yeah. for their GoFundMes yeah. because I was, like, just <laughs> going through this period where I was just, like, incised by people and their their requests on GoFundMe. I just thought it was ridiculous. But that original <laughs> idea was like we were going to take real people with GoFundMes that we did not like and have oh. them write it on a card and like sit in the street and beg. Oh, my and, God. Oh, man. In hindsight, bad. At right. the time, we thought 
maybe we were making a point. But in hindsight, it was like, ah, I'm kind of glad that didn't go that way. So, (laughs) but the show was always kind of intended to be that in the world. I see. And like, we just had to pull things into the studio because of COVID. And so stuff became a lot more sketchy last season than we wanted. And this season, we were really diligent about like, let's try to make the show we wanted to make. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you still feel kind of self-conscious or just like, ah, everybody's looking at me on this random street in Boston? Yeah, dude, I was on a horse dressed like Django <laughs> screaming. <laughs> yeah, I was self-conscious <laughs> about what was happening for sure. I love all these challenges that the show is setting for you. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming interviewing is the same way. It's not the same thing as mm-hmm. doing stand-up. It's not the same thing for, like, writing for SNL. Um, did you have a natural affinity for it or did you have to, like, go to boot camp to learn how to do it? No, I just sat down and did it. And then wow. people were like, you're you're pretty good at that for someone who doesn't do that. And I was like, okay. But I do have like a natural uh, curiosity about people. And I'm mm. just like that in my regular day. Like I'll sit down and end up knowing how someone fully grew up, like issues they had with their parents. Because I just ask questions. And I'm mm-hmm. very curious about the makeup of people and why they think the way they think more so than what they think. I kind of like to know, like, well, well, how did you get to this thinking? So that's just like a natural thing for me to just ask a bunch of stuff. What kinds of questions help you understand how someone thinks versus just their opinions? Like, what kinds of things do you ask to know that? Just life experience questions, like what they've been through. You know what I mean? Like, uh, sometimes I'll ask someone, like, when's the first time you felt that way? You know, like, what was uh-huh. going on? Like, what do you think sparked this initial feeling? Or did you always feel this way? You know, just curious George stuff. I just be curious. Just curious, George. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm curious about your time at SNL. I, I'd heard that you uh, were hesitant about taking the job, which I was surprised because for most people in comedy, it's like the dream. Um, I just didn't really, I don't want to say I was hesitant. It just wasn't really a thing that was like on my radar at the time. I didn't really think I'd ever end up there. I don't do sketch. I've never written sketch. Like, hmm. I just didn't see myself in that, like, NBC kind of more family, middle of America space. And so when it all kind of came to to me, I was just like, I guess, you know, because I, I just didn't know what to think of it. And then once I was kind of in the process, then I was like, I guess I really want to do this or this could be really cool. But it just took me a while to warm up to the idea just because I never saw myself in that space. Wow. I was still in this very much, I'm a stand up and I do stand up and that's what I do space. And I was looking for my next stand up opportunity, you know, a special offer or something like that was what I thought was next for me. And this Mm -hmm. just kind of came like a train and, and like just came from the side and was like, what about this? And I was like, all right, you know. <laughs> um, you did uh, have a stand-up special that you released on Netflix. I think it was in 2020, 3 in the morning. And that was, it was super funny, by the way. Yeah. But it also came out at a kind of a weird time where you weren't really touring um, because a lot of clubs were closed. But now when you're out and you're performing, you're doing stand-up, people obviously kind of know who you are from the HBO show and and from uh, from the special. What's that like for you being a celebrity now? Like, uh, how's that feel? I don't feel like a celebrity yet, and I don't know that I ever will. 
I, I have to, I guess, give it up to my girl. She she does not make me feel like a celebrity at all on any day. She treats me very bad. Your fiance? Yeah, my fiance. She she doesn't treat me like any type of a celebrity. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I gotta go. And she's like, do what? And I'm like, make my TV show. You know, like. <laughs> Live the dream. <laughs> you know? So I think it's just, you know, always being around friends that I've, I've known forever and stuff like that kind of keeps me in a. I don't want to say grounded headspace, but in a headspace where I don't always remember that that's going on. Doing this with my friends, too, I kind of forget, like, where I'm doing. I'm just, like, hanging out with my friends and making fun stuff. And so I forget even that, like, I'm a face of anything. Even at pause, like, sometimes Langston has to, like, yell at me in the writer's room because it'll just be quiet. And I'll be, like, just chilling with everybody else. And he's like, you have to tell us what to do. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. I like that idea. This is cool. Because I'm just like, I wonder what everyone else is going to say. That is like the weirdest moment of adult life. And you're having an intense version of it, but where you look around the room and you realize, oh, wait, uh, yeah, I'm in charge of this. Yeah, Yeah. it's so (laughs) weird. And people don't really talk about it. I still don't realize like, oh, we're going to make this. Yeah. You know, (laughs) it's still just like dreaming to me. And then when we make it, it's oftentimes we're like, oh, my God, we forgot they're going to do the things we say. (laughs) We're on set all the time, like embarrassed because we'll see a joke actually in our face and be like, (laughs) why didn't someone say no? Why didn't someone? (laughs) Why is this like this? And then we're like, because we wrote it that way. (laughs) Well, I'm curious what the kind of prime goal for you with the show is if it's being funny or being thought provoking. And I know it can be both things. It's like a false choice, but I'm curious if there is one that's really primary in your mind, like what, what you hope people take away from the experience of watching this show? I I will be honest. Um, I mean, really no one's ever asked me this. So thank you for a new question. (laughs) Cause I don't want to seem like I don't care if it's funny. I care if it's funny, but I thought about this show and what I wanted to do with the show. And I was like, Funny can't be the priority. The priority has to be the topic and how we're going to get into the topic and what Mm. our goal is with this topic. Like, why are we talking about this? Why now? Why is this important for me to talk about? And what are we bringing to this conversation that hasn't been brought to the conversation before? So, like, those are the priorities. And then how do we make this funny? But Mm. if something doesn't feel funny, immediately we don't not explore it. We just Mm. challenge ourselves to find the funny within it. Well, you've done a great job with it. You and the whole team making the show. I mean, it is really uh, thought-provoking, funny. And for me as, you know, a white straight dude, it's just a view into a world that I don't live in all the time. And I just feel like it really informs me and really gives me a whole different perspective. So congratulations on the show and all your success. You've got like 50 projects going and they all seem to be going really well. So (laughs) thank you so much. Sam Jay, thank you so much for coming on Livewire. We appreciate you. Thank you for your time. That was Sam Jay right here on Livewire. You can catch the second season of Pause with Sam Jay on HBO right now. Hey, special thanks this week to Gary Hirsch of Portland, Oregon, and Amy Lake of Eugene, Oregon. Gary and Amy are part of the Livewire member community, and they are generously supporting our show with a donation each month, which is vital to the show continuing to exist. So a huge thanks and much gratitude to Gary and Amy this week for keeping Livewire going. This is Livewire. We, of course, ask the listeners a question. 
each week. Uh, considering the kind of party theme of Sam J's TV show, we thought we would ask the listeners, what's your go-to icebreaker? I think you said last week, Elena, uh, yours is, would you rather have, what, fangs or talons? Yeah, would you rather have wings or a tail? Or I've heard, oh. would you rather have fangs or a tail? Which one do you pick? In, I mean, wings, probably. Yes. Then tail, 100%. then fangs. I don't need fangs. Yeah. You just fly away from anything threatening. You don't even need the fangs anymore. Although, is it a prehensile tail? That's a, a really important oh, yeah. thing to think about. Sometimes when I look over a very high height, mm-hmm. I feel a pain where I think I had a prehensile tail, or my ancestors <laughs> did, that they would use to grip something. <laughs> anyway, how about the listener responses to this question? Uh, what's your go-to icebreaker? What do you see it? I don't know why, but this one from Nicole just makes me laugh. Nicole's icebreaker is, have you had COVID? <laughs> <laughs> What a terrible icebreaker. But maybe it's, it's a helpful, I guess. It's a helpful yeah. icebreaker. I mean, it is also kind of still mainly the thing we're talking about, right? I mean, it's ebbed to some degree in some places, but it's still very much a yeah. topic of conversation. And everybody's got their own story now, you yes. know? So I guess yeah. it does open up some anecdotal possibilities. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, what's another icebreaker one of our listeners likes to use? This one's a little more meta. It's from Henry. And Henry likes to say, how much does a polar bear weigh? And then the answer, it's an icebreaker with an answer, is enough to break the ice. Oh, uh, that's clever. There you go. <laughs> that would elicit that would elicit a, a, a friendly groan from me, but then we'd be right into the conversation, Henry and I. Uh, what's another icebreaker one of our listeners would like to um, suggest? Jeff uh, suggests the easy question, how are your kids? But if the folks don't have kids, you could say, how is your dog, cat, iguana, hmm. bird, or tortoise? <laughs> nice. Which reminds me of like something that people used to say when I was growing up, which is just, how's your mama and them? You know, mm. just basically any person that you want to comment on <laughs> from your kin, how's your mama and them? <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so Southern, but you're right. It's a catch-all. It could be your pets. Like you said, it could be your weird uncle, Larry. Yeah. I'm going to start using that. People are going to be like, where did you grow up? And I'm going to go, Seattle. That's right. Go, Where's the accent from? <laughs> All right. One more icebreaker before we uh, move on. I love this one from Ashley. It's actually worth using, I think. What's keeping you busy these days? That is really well put. Because, you know, we do have this, I certainly have this terrible habit of often asking people what their job is. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, their job doesn't define them, or maybe Mm -hmm. they don't have a job or don't want a job. Like That's not the best way to get at what someone's passion is necessarily. Mm -hmm. And you can pick a happy, busy thing to say or a not happy, busy thing to say. The person gets to choose the tone of it. Mm -hmm. And it's so much more specific than how are you, which is always mine. You know, how's it going? But I like that so much. What's keeping your mama and all them busy these days? Your mama and all them. (laughs) Busy these days. That's what I got to say. All right. Well, thanks everyone who wrote in those icebergs. I'm going to use a lot of those. We've got a listener question for next week's show, which we're going to reveal at the end of this broadcast. So stick around for that. In the meantime, this is Livewire Radio. Our next guest has appeared on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon and as well as Conan and Comedy Central. As an actor, he's had roles on Marin and Inside Amy Schumer, his third comedy album, King Scorpio is out now. Here's Sean Patton, recorded in front of a live audience at the Holt Center for the Performing Arts in Eugene, Oregon, back in April. Thank you. How are you? I don't, like, do you know that moment when you're at, a, when you're at the airport and your bag goes through the machine 
And then, and then before it rejoins you on your journey, it zips into that other line because now they're going to search it manually, right? That moment is bad for me because my head will jump to insane places in that moment. I'm like, is there a pistol in my carry-on? Why do I own a pistol and why is it in my carry-on? Am I a bank robber? Why don't I remember robbing any banks? Oh, wait, it's a bottle of water. I should have drank that water. I don't like, like, I don't like that moment because it messes up my timing. I get to every single airport early for one reason, unlimited fast food. I allow myself unlimited fast food in airports only. Why? Because of all the calories you burn while flying. Did you know this? When your body is above 25,000 feet for an extended period of time, it begins to burn five to seven times the calories to account for the shortage of oxygen at that altitude. Did you know that? That's what I tell myself. (laughs) You know? Who cares where the facts come from these days as long as the source is confident? It's the era of the podcast. Like, I suppose I fly a lot, so I suppose I appreciate the TSA, but they get on my nerves because they act like every airport follows the exact same set of rules, and they don't. It's different, okay? Like, I should be TSA pre-check. I'm not because I've made three appointments, missed them all, terrified to make a fourth one, okay? So... But it, like sometimes you'll go like three airports in a row. You take your shoes off, put them in the bin. But then you'll get to that one airport where you put them in the bin and that's the day they're like, no, sir, 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 sir. Those go directly on the belt, sir. And I want to be like, put them on the belt then. You got two free gloved hands. I'm disassembling my CPAP for you so you don't think it's a nuclear warhead. But you can't do that. So I comply and I put them uh, on the belt, but they still have to make that announcement that, ladies and gentlemen, your shoes go directly on the belt. Like I'm the jerk. Makes me just want to respond in that same cadence. Like, then tell that to every other airport in the country. Asheville, North Carolina Regional Airport. What do you even know about security? Your TSA is a family business. North Carolina is full of those little tiny baby airports where their TSA is like, we're tough too. We're going to get you. Like, like there's a Wilmington, North Carolina. Ever heard of it? Yeah. It's got the Wilmington, North Carolina International Airport. International Wilmington. You close at 10.30 p.m. You have two baggage claims. International You got Turkish Airways flights landing every week. Backpackers getting off like, we will begin our tour of America in its favorite city, Wilmington, home of Air Michael Jordan and Five Seasons Dawson's Creek. Like they don't, was that a snort? Thank you. Every time time someone snorts, a comedian gets a wish. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. I think that place meant to call itself the Wilmington International Airport. Like, we're inter, we fly in the nation. We're international. <laughs> but Bob messed up when he was making the sign, stuck a T in there, you know. I don't mind, though. Looks like a cross. Reminds me of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was watching over us even when we mucked something up. 
Normalize farting in public in 2022. It's about time. Let's all just grow up as a society, okay? It's something every human being has to do three to 15 times a day, okay? It's a necessity, okay? And I know sometimes it smells bad, and that's the point. Wake you up. You're, you smell a terrible fart. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready for the day. You think that's accidental? That's by design, okay? Also, it's hilarious. It's, a, it's something, it's a gift that Mother Nature gave us that we have decided was just not classy enough, but no, okay? If you can't laugh at a well-timed fart, walk into a body of water, short yourself out because your simulation sucks, you know what I mean? Like, I live, in, I live in New York City, okay? I live where everyone thinks they are more important than everyone else all the time, okay? And I was riding the A train from Brooklyn to Manhattan. I like to be specific. I don't like to just say subway. Anyone can say subway. I'm a, I'm a real New Yorker. I'm not just going to. I, I was riding the subway from my apartment at 377 St. Mark's Avenue, apartment 2R, 11238. That's my actual. I just gave you my actual address. That's interesting. All right. So I was riding it to the West 4th Street stop in Manhattan, just so you know. Now, it was an afternoon train ride, and it was a tense ride okay everyone's on their phones reading about you know what's going on in the ukraine reading about elon musk buying twitter just everyone's stressed out about the ridiculous scape that is this reality and a brave soul on board that car unleashed a beaut i'm talking a perfect just in every way a perfect raspberry rim shot it was the kind of fart you'd plug into a keyboard to make like the fart sound when you press that key. It was perfect in every way. It was a full octave. I believe it was in the key of G sharp. And you could tell that person wasn't sick at all. They were in good health. It wasn't a wet, sloppy sound. It was a dry, had a nice audible walnut finish. Yeah, you know, like, it was, a, 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 and you could see everyone hear it. You saw everyone hear the fart, but once again, it's New York, where everyone thinks they're just the better than, no, I can't, I didn't work this hard to get here to react to a fart. I have followers on TikTok, I'm important. And we have to wear masks on the train still, and the masks hide the identity of the fighter. There are little giveaways, little nuances in the face of thy who dealt it, that, you know, the, the flare of a nostril. You know? Right? The smirk, the prideful smirk. All of that's hidden by the mask. So if the farter doesn't just actively identify themselves, You'd never know. So no one knew it was me. This is my point. No one had a clue. Thank you all very much. You're amazing. You're an amazing crowd. Sean Patton. That was Sean Patton, recorded in front of a live audience at the Holt Center for Performing Arts in April. I feel really confident, Elena, saying... That is the most flatulent-related content you will hear on public radio <laughs> today. He goes straight to the fart. Unless maybe like Radio Lab or somebody has a whole episode on why our bodies do that. Right. But 
As far as stand-up comedy goes, I think that's that's the most you're going to hear today on your public radio station. By the way, Sean's latest album, King Scorpio, is available now. This is Livewire. Our musical guest this week, Kurt Vile, is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, expert forklift driver, it turns out. Uh, he's also known for his solo work and for his time with the band The War on Drugs. Uh, he's also collaborated with basically everyone I love in the world, John Prine, Courtney Barnett, Dinosaur Jr., mm. among lots of others. His ninth studio album, Watch My Moves, came out back in April. It is the creative result of two years at home with his family. Uh, this is after more than a decade of near-constant touring for Kurt. Rolling Stone calls the album a majestically mellow zone-out session. Very, very excited to welcome the pride of Philadelphia, PA, Kurt Vile to Livewire. Thank you. We are so excited to have you here. Big, big fans of your work over the years. Um, I'm curious, uh, the, one of the tracks off this new album is Mount Airy Hill, Way Gone. And I read somewhere that you said that that neighborhood, like moving to that neighborhood of Philadelphia for you, has been life-changing. What is it about Mount Airy that has changed your life? I mean, I, okay, I moved to Mount Airy, where I am right now, after a long tour. It's just like there's, I'm still in Philly, I'm still in the city, but there's trees everywhere mm. and woods. And next thing you know, you're up in, in the mountains. You feel like you're all of a sudden in Last of the Mohicans or something. It's At first <laughs> it's disorienting, and then it's completely orienting, you know. But yeah, so like life was hectic back in 2016, and it's mm-hmm. since gotten hectic again. But I, I was always imagining being able to just stay here mm. and like put it all all the rest of the world, you know, keep it away and like just kind of work on music here because it's because it's just the best of both worlds. It's just beautiful. And I'm still in the city, but I got my wish. Not exactly the way I would have thought I'd get my wish, but pr- maybe the only way I would get my wish to, to stay home and be here <laughs> like two years straight, yeah. more or less, you know. Uh, right. You're, you're touring again and you're going to be touring. Are you looking forward to that energy or are you kind of feeling sad about like leaving your, you know, your family and going back to that world of a touring musician? When I left, it was very hard. And my, my youngest, well, everybody was upset, but uh, my youngest in particular, she was crying really hard when I left. And it was just for a press tour to go to Europe on the day the record comes out and things like that. And then I was going to go into hectic rehearsals with the band and it still is bittersweet. But I, once I was on the move again and performing it's what I do, so it felt natural. So it's just about the balance. You know, now I've had time to figure out. I just can't be gone all the time. I can't just tour nonstop. There's got to be breaks in between, you know. And mm-hmm. when a record comes out, sure, you're going to go. I went on a six-week tour. You just got to do it. But I'm not going to go on a one-year straight tour. You know? <laughs> um, I've seen you perform live a lot, and I've listened to your albums extensively. And in the songs, you seem to be the most chill person ever. You just seem totally unperturbed. Like, I always think I wish I could be as chill as Kurt Vile seems to be when he's singing. <laughs> Are you really that way, or is that like a, is that an act? I mean, I, uh, that's my ideal self, you know. That's where I want to be, you know. And when I'm playing music, I usually feel that way, but I definitely get really stressed out. But I'm, I'm trying to get to a place... Where I am completely laid back. I like like when I have anything to do, I like to get up two or three hours before I have to do anything so I can just take it real slow and be in the zone. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what I'm trying to do when I'm playing my music. Except 
in in addition to that my music is if not always like hypnotic you know so mm. i'm like kind of just groove into whatever repetitive chords i'm playing and that probably chills me out a little bit too I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. We are talking to the musician Kurt Vile. We've got to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, we will hear a song from Kurt. So stay with us. Livewire is thrilled to be partnering with Portland's own Portal Tea this season, formerly known as Tea Chai Tay. Portal Tea is the premier tea company in the Pacific Northwest, and they make one-of-a-kind handcrafted tea blends like cinnamon churro chai and blueberry cream Earl Grey. Use the code LIVEWIRE, all lowercase, for 20% off at portaltea.co. Welcome back to LiveWire from PRX. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello and... Kurt Vile. Um, uh, one of the tracks off of this album, uh, Mount Airy Hill, Way Gone, you're yodeling in the song. Is that a first for you? Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because, yeah, it's it's yodeling in the Hank Williams, mm. Jimmy Rogers sense, uh, not yodelay he who, you know. <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned that because, like, right before my very first session for this record which was a couple years ago at this point it was pre-pandemic it was november 2019 that ken burns country music documentary came out Mm. and i was so stoked because and i was a little protective because i was like this is like all the books i've read and all this music i've studied for so long and now the hipsters are just getting it handed to them (laughs) but somehow i don't haven't heard many people talk about it so no they're gonna figure out what a wild man george jones was yeah yeah yeah. like Tammy Wynette took away his car keys and he would like drive his riding lawnmower to the liquor store. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, episode one, Jimmy Rogers. And, and uh, I like have notes. I'm like so inspired. My, my note to myself is literally just two words. It's got a yodel, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and then I think it was reinforced like once episode three or whatever it was, the hillbilly Shakespeare, Hank Williams, you know, who I grew up on through my dad. Like if you could pull off the yodel, you know, which I haven't fully done, but best I could in that song. I, I pulled it off yeah. best I could in that song. Uh, speaking of of legendary musicians, you collaborated with uh, the great John Prine on uh, that version of How Lucky. I'm wondering, though, like when you were working with him, are you learning stuff from him? Because I mean, you were already an established musician in your own right. You know how to make your music. But is that a process where you're actually learning things about, about how to do music that you didn't have before? Of course. I mean... I- I'm so excited when I get to meet him. I've already learned plenty from him. I've consumed him before I met him. You know, that's why I want to meet him. Uh, So plenty of things through osmosis. But then, yeah, just hanging out with him. And it's funny. By the time he was in the studio to do the song How Lucky With Me, which was a little a few days before New Year's 2020 in Nashville, uh, he talked plenty. And in that moment, I just couldn't believe he was in the studio. So it was like I couldn't even hear him. I'm like, uh huh, uh huh, you know. <laughs> but yeah. then I, heard, you know, I I could hear, but I couldn't process it. Like after he was gone, I heard what he said, you know, <laughs> which is funny, a funny <laughs> idea. But you know, but true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw somewhere. I don't even remember where I saw this, but it was a quote from you talking about at uh, some point in your life when you were driving a forklift. 
Did mm-hmm. that ever happen? Is that, am I misremembering that? Did you have a job driving a forklift at some point? Oh, yeah. I had two jobs driving a forklift, in <laughs> fact. And the first one was uh, I moved up to Boston for a couple of years while my wife was getting – well, she wasn't my wife then, but she was getting her master's. And I had my reality check basically where I got a job packing boxes or whatever, and I showed up and it was – it was just my reality check. I was working with a bunch of, you know, serious ball busters, uh, <laughs> like with uh, departed style accents, you know, strong uh, Southie energy. Yeah, yeah. In Everett, Massachusetts, you know, driving a forklift, unloading tractor trailers. And by the time I left there in 2022, 23, I was like, I'm never driving a forklift ever again. But I did, you know, I became a master of it. And then I worked at Philadelphia Brewing Company and they had a forklift there. And I was like, oh, I can actually drive these. And then Next thing you know, I was just the best forklift driver in <laughs> Philadelphia. So they would Ooh. ask me to use it all the time. You know, I'm, I might be exaggerating, but I feel like not, you know. No, I believe uh, you. <laughs> but they they couldn't believe how good I was that driving a forklift at that job became like I'd be doing way worse jobs. And then they're like, Kurt, you're, you're needed on the forklifts. And then I was like, just it's almost like flying a plane, you know. <laughs> it's just, it was fun. Are you writing songs in your head while you're driving the forklift? Yeah, or I, I love those blue collar type of jobs because the repetitive tasks, I could always just write songs in my head. Uh, my favorite thing I wrote at the brewing company was uh, In a Black Hole, I Found a Broken Skull, Now I'm Already Gone, which is from uh, my song Jesus Fever. Uh-huh. But I, I don't think I was driving the forklift. I think I was completely hungover cleaning kegs. But otherwise, <laughs> it's still a great – it was like one missing line in that song. And then I was like, oh, that's it. And then maybe, uh, I, maybe I threw up. <laughs> that sounds like really tough hungover duty dealing with old Oof. alcohol remains in a keg. That's just like the last yeah. thing you want to be doing when you're hungover. Right, but – in another way, you could uh, just take one sip of beer and it helps a little. Right? Hair of the dog. Hair of the dog. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we're excited to hear a, a song off of this new album, Watch My Moves. What track are we going to hear? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to play you um, Flying Like a Fast Train. All right. This is Kurt Vile on Livewire. Here we go. Flying like a fast train, I don't feel a thing Till when I pull into my station, I just crash and burn, yeah Playing in the music room in my underwear Feeling fine and then my sake crumble, pell-mell stumble I've been Watch out, cause we got vampires lurking Flying like a fast train, I don't feel a thing Till when I pull into my station, I just crash and burn Yeah, alright then Flying as 
acid flashback Flying saucers, black coffee, pink lemonade From the faucet, seeing dragons But they're so pretty, baby Come on, let's go tear up the city Nah, think we better slow it down Comfort can't touch a thing, so I take a walk round the block, then I come back and sing. Say what's wearing you down, kid? We'll try a little out of everything. Flying like a fast train, I don't feel a thing. Till when I pull into my station, I just crash and burn. Song off the new album, Watch My Moves, Kurt. I put my lips near the phone for that. Hopefully there's not no siblings. (laughs) No, that sounded great. Love it. Okay, cool. I put a yodel in there for you on purpose. Thank you. I rehearsed that yodel a little, but then because we talked about it, I was like, I better not be a wimp. I better at least try and do this. Well, uh, uh, again, Kurt, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Thanks for coming on Livewire, man. Yeah, thank you so much. That was Kurt Vile right here on Livewire. His latest album, Watch My Moves, is available now. All right, before we get out of here, a little preview of next week's show. We are going to be joined by another musical hero of mine. This is, we're on a real hot streak right now. Just had Kurt Vile on. And next week, we're going to talk to Wayne Coyne from The Flaming Lips. He's going to talk about his lifelong obsession with inflatable vinyl bubbles and how that really helped out during the pandemic. Plus, we're going to hear a special performance of the Flaming Lips song, Do You Realize, from inside one of those bubbles. Uh, So you don't want to miss that. Uh, We're also going to talk to the journalist Daisy Hernandez about her book, The Kissing Bug, which kind of sounds like a YA romance novel or something, maybe starring a young Ryan Gosling or something. Mm -hmm. But no, it's actually a, a rare and kind of largely misunderstood illness that often affects Latinx people in the U.S., including Daisy's own aunt. So we're going to hear about that. The book is, is really fascinating. And as always, we are going to be looking to get your answers to our listener question. Elena, what are we asking the Livewire listeners for next week's show? We want to know, what is the most memorable live performance you have ever seen? All right, if you've got your answer to the most memorable live performance you've seen, and it doesn't have to just be music. It could be your kid throwing a fit. I don't know. That's a live performance of its own. Uh, Send in your uh, response via Twitter or Facebook. We're at Livewire Radio pretty much everywhere. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. A huge thanks, as always, to our guests, Sam Jay, Sean Patton, and Kurt Vile. Livewire is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines. 
Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Heather D. Michelle is our executive director. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Our assistant editor is Trey Hester. And our marketing manager is Paige Thomas. Molly Pettit is our technical director and mixer. Our house band is Ethan Fox Tucker, Sam Tucker, A.L. Alves, and A. Walker Spring, who also composes our music. And Viviana Castillo-Serrano is our intern. Special thanks this week to everyone at the Holt Center for the Performing Arts. Additional funding provided by the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. This week, we'd like to thank members Gary Hirsch of Portland, Oregon, and Amy Lake of Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our show or how you can catch our podcast, head on over to livewirereradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for Elena Passarello and the whole Livewire crew. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Dear Livewire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait, actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time, because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.